welcome to Punta Vista episode 102. Uh, I am Andrew and I'm driving a convertible uh, down the lost highways of America. And in the passenger seat, fucking around with the radio and I wish you'd stop, it's Ben. Hi Ben. Hey, I'm just trying to find my tunes. What type of tunes are you looking for here? I'm looking for that good old country music they used to play. Mm. Uh, I I've been the listening. kids don't listen to country music anymore, you know? They've got trap and rap. And and they're getting put in, in prison for playing drill music. Yep. He's so right. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. Uh, in the back seat there, her hair flying in the wind, and up, oh, she's just lost her scarf. It's Ugh. Lucy. Ugh, unbelievable. <laughs> Why does this <laughs> always happen? My scarf. <laughs> my, my long silk scarf that I chose to wear in a I convertible chose to wear again. In a convertible, as always, like an idiot. Well, at the next um, at the next place that we stop, you can get out and pop open your suitcase that's just full of scarves. Right, and they'll overflow <laughs> everywhere. Grab another one. Maybe you'll pull one out, and it'll do the magician thing. <laughs> and they'll just keep, <laughs> just keep coming out. Uh, and um, and over on the other side, um, messing with a big unfolded map, even though we all have phones, he's mm-hmm. getting flustered by it. It's too large. He doesn't know how to fold it back up. It's Theo. Okay, well, first of all, uh, I specifically asked to be sitting in the front seat um, to reduce motion sickness. <laughs> I don't feel like that's being treated seriously. I am. Um, Second I, of I all, do feel like that these days. You, I don't want to ride in the back anymore. You really have to appreciate the tactility of an old, old style map. I think it's something we've lost. George and I were just talking about this because we're going back over to the States for another road trip uh, in uh, the very near future, actually. And we, I'm going to do the paper map thing, I reckon. We're gonna, we've got no specific places we want to go other than the wedding we're going to gonna get a fucking goddamn paper map and be like let's go to this shitty sounding place this sounds like how a horror movie starts ben (laughs) i have lived well and if i get murdered i'm not gonna be like oh no don't kill me i've got other stuff to do i'll be like yep all right lucy said lucy warned me Mm -hmm. get it over and done with Mm -hmm. (laughs) well yeah i mean it's certainly it's certainly one of those like skills that has just kind of completely disappeared now. It's like the ability to lose a map. I'm sure there's somebody listening to this who's very mad at me. It's like, oh, I can read a map. But yeah, I, good. I feel Great like for it's you. not... Like, I, I'm pretty sure most people are able to look at Google Maps and be like, oh, those are the streets between where I need to go and here. I can probably just walk up these ones, which is roughly the same skill set as looking at a map and being like, well... These roads adjoin. I'll take them. I guess. I guess. I guess. But, um, People don't know how to look things up in a Refidex anymore. People don't buy the, the 2019 Brisbane Refidex and then put it under the passenger seat. <laughs> What's it called? Refidex? Yeah, the Refidex. The Refidex. What does that stand what the fuck for? Is a Refidex? You don't have a Refidex? That's not just a Queensland thing, the Refidex. I think ours is the Melways, but what does Refidex stand for? Oh, wait, maybe it is just a Queensland thing. Is that is that just the company that makes the map? Refidex. Like a, like a Melways or Rand McNally in the States? It's a, oh, it's a particular ba- brand of the mm. directory. Huh. I thought it was, you know, That's right, I thought it was called the Melways, yeah, the which makes no sense. Why would everyone be called the Melways? But wait, they do make them for Sydney, Adelaide, Perth, and Melbourne. 
interesting. Maybe we just call them the Refidex up here. Another mystery. Another mystery established. It on will never be solved. Theo, what what year Refidex do you reckon was the last one that you bought? Oh, um, I know this. 2006, when I moved to Brisbane. Oh, see, mine was the uh, 2009 when I first moved to Brisbane. Huh. So is, is this just every Brisbane dweller's like um, little benchmark of when they arrived? Yeah, I guess Probably. so. So cobweb covered. Refidex, frankly, uh, a ridiculous thing to say. I mean, th- Brisbane does move so quickly that you are going to have to buy a new one of those every update ten it. or fifteen years or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one new housing development in each, and it can really throw yeah. you off. Oh, you remember having pages memorized for the ones that you'd be like, "Well, ninety-seven, that's the inner city. Going to need that yep. one." Yep, but then you got to go. You got to turn to like the inner picture where they got the red box around it. Oh, you're absolutely right. Zoom. Mm. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just going off bad data. And you want the good data. You want the good data. That's kids, the thing I've learned. Kids these days, they'll just hop in a car yeah. and they'll say, um, hey, Siri, could you dab me to the <laughs> nearest <laughs> Starbucks YOLO? Uh, and then the car drives itself and they're jacking off in the back. Mm. God, that'd be good. Mm. <laughs> jacking off in the back of your self-driving car. Yeah, <laughs> we all we all know that as soon as cars are automated like that, they're just going to be mobile jack-off chambers. I don't know <laughs> if that's what people are going to do. Uh, needs to, well, it's absolutely what some people are going to do. That's what the leisure class will be doing. I also feel like you're overestimating the number of hands required to drive a normal car. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got manual, oh, right. so... Okay, I get what you're putting down there, Theo. Wink. He's got a... He's got, well, see, I've got the auto, but... It's also still stick shift, so... Yeah, you, you're uh-huh. telling me. Yeah, I'm mm. sure. You're telling um, me. I'm going to take a slightly softer stance on this. I'm not going to say... This is a softer stance on my no-jacking-off-at-work policy. Mm-hmm. I will say... You cannot jack off in your car unless you have a minimum threshold of tint. You have to have, like, the crazy illegal mm. blackout tint that well, they tint put on government concerned. cars. Okay. I thought you were going to say you have to have a minimum number of people so someone else can grab the wheel. Or... No, this is kind of the opposite. You want this to be... I assume completely... the car's not driving at the time, right? Self-driving That's... car. But, oh, okay. I mean, or otherwise... <laughs> it's a Tesla. If you're stationary, you just got to have... You got to have blackout tint. The illegal stuff. The good shit. I think you could get away with a little less. <laughs> just some, like, really good quality tint, you know? A bit of distance between you and the cars in front and behind and you the on the highway. You know? Coupled. Mm-hmm. I think people still see the motion. They'll know what you're doing. In, when, yeah. People can well, figure it out. They're very canny. The human eye and the human brain are amazingly good at picking a human that's jacking off <laughs> just by silhouette. <laughs> it's one of the things we're meant to do. Hmm. Welcome to Punta Vista. The podcast where we uh, really hash out the details of whether or not it is appropriate to jack off in a self-driving car, if and when that How scenario eventuates. Mm-hmm. How much tint you need. I mean, this might all become a bit of a wash uh, if you know the climate apocalypse happens before we get to that stage that uh, mm-hmm. everyone has those self-driving cars. And in that case, everyone will be, it'll be, what's the etiquette for jacking off in my bomb shelter that everyone else is in, you know? I just got a little bit of moisture in my body for the first time in 70 days after <laughs> finding some pooled water in the bottom of a Mount Franklin bottle. Uh, 
It's time to jack off. Oh, no. There are some wasteland mutants near me, and I think it's rude. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem is that, as we all know, um, when you do jack off, you kind of just get off into a world of your own, and it's very difficult to, to defend yourself against those wasteland mutants. You'd certainly want to have like a buddy system going. One person jacking <laughs> off. <laughs> One person scanning the horizon with a sawn-off shotgun in their hands. Yeah, back to back. That's got to be the start. It's got to. Yeah. <laughs> I'll look this way. You get yours done. Then we'll <laughs> then we'll swap. I'll hand you the shotgun. Uh, yeah. That's... Wash your hands first, ideally. Before... Oh, what with all that water, all You're that right. abundant hand washing water. Uh, scrub your hands with dirt. Uh, dirt bath. Yeah, before taking the gun off me. Thank you very much. So, folks, speaking of the post-apocalyptic future, mm. I think we're living in 1984, man. Damn. Mm. You're right. Uh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> the far distant future of 1984. Anything could happen. Um, anything could happen. Anything can and will happen in the far distant future of 1984. Um, as a side note, I do love watching any given like classic movie about like a post-apocalyptic thing where they have a title card at the front that says, In the Future... The year is 1996. Uh, that's always that's always very good to me. The year um, is 1993. The population on Earth is 35 billion. <laughs> did they did they keep doing like um? I feel like in the Terminator movies that the plots kind of kept evolving to retcon us having passed the date where like stuff was supposed to have happened in the original movies. You know. Like uh, no like Terminator, Terminator Two, like the the all the nukes and shit were meant to happen in like ninety eight or ninety nine or something like that, and then in Terminator Three they were like, ah, we did a thing and changed the future, but also something else bad happened and it's still gonna get nuked. Um, Blade Runner did the opposite thing. So in um, what's the new one? Twenty forty nine. 2049, um, it still exists in the offshoot world from the original Blade Runner where, like, all of those 80s brands controlled the future. So it's all, like, Palsonic or whatever it is, you know. Nice. Um, and still has, like, all of the technology offshot from that from that point. So they haven't actually had to retcon anything uh, as far as they're concerned. They've just taken what, what happened in the... In the um, you know, 1980s movie and uh, as golden, which I think is probably a good approach. Which is a smart way to do it, which I get really pissed off with movies where, uh, specifically the Alien franchise is a good example of this, where the technology in Alien and Aliens was like CRT monitors, fucking black and green text, fucking, you know, it's like walls of flashing LEDs for computers and stuff. And then they do the prequels and it's all fucking holograms and mm. shit like just fucking pick your visual language just stick with it stick, stick to with it. the aesthetic yeah so the reason we're living in freaking 1984 man mm. is because the uh the Australian federal police over the last week or two have um have conducted uh, a series of high profile raids on the officers of um i guess is it uh, uh, news corp ABC. Journalist, is it was, is Annika Smithurst? Oh, they raided her corp? home. Uh, she's yeah. a news corp journalist. Yeah, they they raided her home in relation to a 2010 story. 
was it 2010 or was it oh, not, I don't not that think long it was ago? That long several ago. several years old at least. This story um, about accusations that um, that a, an Australian unit in Afghanistan had been involved in war crimes, and uh, they also raided the ABC um, about a story of theirs from again several years ago, I guess, um, where they they did a story that was um, that was a leak that someone had um, leaked to the media around uh, Peter Dutton's great big um, home affairs ministry and their and their plans to covertly spy on all Australian members of the public. Mm. I think we might have got that the wrong way around. Uh, I think it was Anarchist Methos did the yep. uh, the spying one, and okay. the ABC were raided over the Afghan files. Uh-huh. Yeah, that is correct. Right. Yes. Well, it's good that we can clear it up now instead of getting yelled at about it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, no. Someone will have definitely. In the time Uh-oh. it took for you to say it, They've already for me paused to say that. already podcast. drafted a tweet. And we get a lot of those <laughs> tweets where someone will be like, hey, fuck you. And then they'll be like, wait, just got up to the other part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not apologizing. Yep. I'm still going to run your mum over with a tank. Um, now I'm several, several <laughs> minutes later, I can see what's happened here. Um, yeah, so obviously... The, the opinions on this stuff in the media have been one thing because I guess as Australia's media class um, tends to be the most concerned about things that happen to Australia's media class as opposed to things that happen to members of the public and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I guess it's been it's been an infuriating thing to watch unfold because it's it is just the like the obvious end point natural conclusion of the changes that have continued to be made to laws over time to say, hey, uh, government can fucking raid anybody and go through all your shit and all that sort of stuff and warrants are made up and all that kind of jazz. Um, and also, we're observing everybody all the time. Just the just the logical endpoint of the post-9-11 world that we're all living in, where every couple of years, um, police and uh, national security agencies ask for more power and less oversight, and it's a bipartisan operation for both of the major parties in Australia to say, uh, we're not ever going to say anything bad about the troops or the police who are also troops, um, and then they pass all that shit. You know what I've found? And this yeah. is just me, but police absolutely fucking love having more power and less oversight. Oh, yeah. Sure do. They love that shit. They can't get enough of it. Can't get enough. If you uh, if they were at a restaurant and the waiter came up and said, uh, "Excuse me, sir, would you like some? Would you like some oversight with your meal?" They go, "Ooh, ooh, no, thank you, no, thank you. That disagrees with me. Gives me indigestion. Ooh, no, they get thank out the you. big old the big old pepper cracker for um for power. Mm. And they just say, "Say when?" Yeah, and they just comically like never say when. Looking back and forth at each other. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I'll it's tell great, you when. Great big pile of power pepper on their plate. It looks, it looks frankly, inedible at this point. But they're like, mm-hmm. keep it coming. No, that's the way we like it. They prefer keep a plentiful coming. plate of power pepper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. <sighs> um, I'm imagining you're one of those like little tongue twisters now. Mm. Um, those are Peter, all the words Peter, I know that start with P, so it's, yeah. it's not getting any better. Peter Policeman um, picked a pack of power pepper, that kind of thing. <laughs> 
So yeah, um, I guess like I said, it's been very frustrating to to watch unfold because, um, on one hand, you have you have the Australian media who I think have, on a broad level, this doesn't apply to everybody, but on a broad level, have generally not like made a huge campaign out of trying to restrict the government's power to to have like unfettered access to to people's records and all that sort of stuff over the the last you know 10 or 20 years um and of course when when this happens to some journalists we have like more than one cartoonist in a newspaper doing a Tiananmen Square <laughs> um, journalist standing in front of a tank with Peter Dutton in it cartoon, um, which is like, you know, when you, when you when you think of what was actually happening in Tiananmen Square, to be like that's what's happening to us right now is a bit. Um, Little on the nose, uh, but at the same time, what you have happening from from a lot of like opposite ends of the spectrum is people being like, "Oh, everybody's making a big deal and acting like acting like this is 1984 or something." The police came into the ABC nicely, and then they had a cup of coffee. How bad can it be? It's pretty bad. I feel well, like I this one's probably pretty bad. Yeah, and and apparently the um the the state of the of the warrants that they have is that the AFP are allowed to access um, any and all files from the ABC. So they're allowed to access their entire like um, IT system and emails mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And they are allowed to, um, they're allowed to like, alter, uh, yeah, alter or delete as many files as they want in the course so of their investigation. I've seen people saying that that's those laws are there largely because that's how a lot of digital forensics tools will work on a computer is that, you know, to install software and get rid of software and whatever, you have to do that sort of stuff. But obviously that's a very broad remit. So who fucking knows? Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think, yeah, it's been, been very frustrating to see uh, people like a noted dipshit uh, Gray Connolly who fancies himself a big-time security expert and is on, on Twitter and on the drum and things like that, saying, oh, you know, ha- oh, it's just like the Nazis because the police um, let people, l- like, live-tweet live them doing these raids and shit. And it's like, well, number one, they're raiding a media organization. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, yeah, they're raiding a fucking media organization. And the idea that, like... I mean, it's it's incredibly infuriating to me to have people basically put the proposition forward that as long as the people who do it are nicely dressed and polite, then the thing that they are doing cannot be bad. It's just an absolutely absurd line to take on a position. Like, oh, they didn't split anybody's head open with a fucking truncheon or, like, crush anyone's skull under a jackboot. Therefore, it can't be considered an overreach of power. Yeah, I mean, it comes back to the old... um, The argument that sort of we've been having for the last five years or so that it's it's more important to be be nice than it is to, uh, you know, not abuse your power or what have you. Hmm. Um, or to be civil, civil is the word. Yeah, yeah. As as long as as long as people are all speaking respectfully to each other, then it doesn't matter as much whose rights mm. are getting getting crushed. Civility along the way. politics, baby. Woo-hoo. Love it. 
what's important is that we both sit uh, sit nicely um, with good posture while we're listening to both sides. So um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, the the other issue with this sort of stuff is that when you see <coughs> the other argument that I've seen take place here is, oh well, you know, they they're not they're not rating these people and. They're not publicly rating these people to, say, either scare members of the media into not covering stories that would be embarrassing to a government. Because oddly enough, the only high-profile raids that ever seem to happen are ones that were embarrassing to a conservative government. Weird. Uh, yeah, the, um, the AWU union office raids um, were purely just performative... Hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna hassle you and make your life hard for being a union. Um, and and both of these ones were were stories that were very embarrassing to the government mm-hmm. of the day. And so yeah, people saying, oh, you know, they they're not doing these raids just because they were embarrassing. They were doing these raids because there was secure information that was um that was leaked, you know, by a member of of a government or of a government agency. And that's against the law. So that's why they're doing that. They're doing that because the law was broken. And apart from the fact that, like, A, this type of shit happens all the time and mm. they don't do this as a result. Like, who remembers that story about the, uh, about the filing cabinet full of, <laughs> full of like, um, yeah, top secret documents that they just sold? For, like, they were just getting rid of furniture in, like... Um, and like didn't a look defense in the office. Cabinet was full of important documents. Yep, uh, they didn't look at it. They they sold it to somebody for like twenty bucks or whatever at, at a big getting rid of our getting rid of our office furniture sale. Um, wound up in someone's shed, who finally looked in it and said, "Huh, hmm. there, se- there seems to be a big treasure trove of secure documents in here." Um, and that person called the ABC and said, "Hey, seem to have this thing." Um, and the ABC came around and had a look, and then they called the government and said, "Hey, uh, you left your shit uh, just kind of sitting here." Um, who came back and reclaimed it? I don't recall any big high-profile raids being done or arrests being made around who was responsible for for that leaking of secure information. No, but you see, Andrew, that was uh, what we call in the business uh, an oopsie. Oh, you're allowed Ooh. to have an oopsie just as long as it, uh, you know, it's leaking, you know, the right kind of information. Mm. Or yep. or you just uh, didn't feel like checking all of the cabinets. That's also an okay. That's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever moved office, but sort of like on a Friday afternoon, you've all been out to the pub to have beer, so you're just pushing pushing cabinets around and, you know, someone says, put this one here, put that one there. Who's to, who's to know uh, which one contains confidential information uh, yeah. and which one just has uh, a bunch of your family photos in it? Yeah. Hey, did you check that uh, that filing cabinet? Yeah. Uh, I guess yeah, so. I, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah I, I like, sure, I checked. I shook it around and it didn't sound like confidential documents I mean, in it's there. down <laughs> on the dock now if you want to go and check it. But they're probably, it's three o'clock, they probably... Knocked off by this point, so. Yeah. Do you want to go down? Do there you want to go down there? Oh, it's probably fine. It's probably fine. <coughs> so yeah, I mean, obviously, you you didn't see any high-profile shit around that. Um, 
so it's it's number one. It's very hard to not draw the conclusion that that this stuff is at least in some way, shape, or form politically motivated. It's about you know setting a setting a precedent, um, showing people what happens, that sort of thing. Um, but there's also the other aspect to this, which is people who use that logic of saying, "Oh, well, you know, if if somebody if somebody was concerned," and I think this might have been. Uh, Greg Connolly's line as well, is that if somebody was concerned that a crime had been committed or something untoward was happening, there are official channels for dealing with that and they should have reported that internally. Um, which, number one, as a type of logic, basically completely excludes um, any sort of required existence for whistleblowers of any type to exist in the mm. world. Um, as though maybe there aren't ever any reasons that that like reporting a thing internally is not going to get a satisfactory conclusion. I mean, even as far as all of those those changes to laws around, um, you know, stripping people's rights to privacy and all of that sort of stuff goes, it's, again, it's not exactly hard to see over the last um, 20 or so years that the the political motivation has been, well, well we want to have access to this stuff we want to have unfettered access to all of this stuff and anybody who disagrees um is getting railroaded anybody who disagrees is getting painted with the big um with the big you're a communist uh you you don't want our people to be safe brush um all that sort of stuff and then on top of that if you're talking about complaints about say how the police handle things we don't have a great track record in this country of of the police handling complaints about things very well. I'm going to go sure uh, as far as to say no police in any country in the history of police <laughs> have had a great track record of investigating themselves. Yeah, um, which is kind of the problem with, with this in Australia as far as both politicians and um, state and federal police go is that all of those groups, all of their mechanisms for dealing with, um, you know, complaints, accusations of impropriety, um, unethical, illegal behavior, all of that sort of stuff, is always referred to an internal body to investigate, um, which always then says either, nah, it's fine, or we have dealt with this internally, which generally means someone got to have a four-week paid holiday and now they're completely reinstated. I mm -hmm. mean, I've I've... I've definitely lost count of how many stories we've covered on this podcast of like, you know, the police beating the shit out of a disabled pensioner on camera and like, you know, getting getting two weeks um, paid leave and then just being back in the police. Um, or even, even things like we were talking about that court case a while ago where the, the QPS officer had stolen like 40 guns from the evidence locker and they were just like, you've been a bad boy. Um, don't do it again. And that was the extent of the punishment for him. Um, so, so yeah, the idea that anybody should just be following internal processes for this stuff as far as the police goes is fucking laughable and absurd. Um... Because uh, I think, as we've seen over and over, that's that's kind of a whole part of the function that the the press is supposed to play is exposing things to a public, which, if they know about them, 
is able to then say, as far as as we are concerned as a society, this is not cool. This is unacceptable and we're not on board with it. But I mean, I think as we've covered many times on the show, um, while we kind of in Australia like to think of ourselves as carefree larrikins, uh, in actual fact, most Australians are actually just super cops. They're just Love like calling the cops. Super into calling the cops. Uh, they've got a big authority boner, and uh, so it doesn't really pan out that way. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, there is an opinion piece here from friend of the show, Peter Credlin, former chief of staff to former prime minister and now former MP Tony Abbott. And you know what's weird? Is that opinion piece at the bottom just says she's a Sky News host and occasional opinion columnist. (laughs) It just seems like if someone is like a decades-serving party operative, maybe mention that. Timothy McVeigh, mathematician. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... So yeah, in this in this pl- piece, uh, Peter has a very obvious line to draw you, which is, um, Australians have missed the point of the AFP raids, she says. For much of the last week, a debate has raged about freedom of the press following two raids by the AFP on journalists. The first on the home of Canberra-based journalist who writes for this newspaper, the second on the ABC. As you'd expect with the media talking about the media, it was all about them. Their freedom. Freedom of the press. <laughs> <But> Where? <laughs> yeah. But let me give you another perspective that's integrity in government. The relevant question is not whether the media should be prevented from publishing leaked information. Well, it seems like that's somewhat relevant, you know? Thanks to legislation passed last year, the media have a right to publish if they genuinely think there's a national interest argument for doing so. The real question is whether officials sworn to secrecy should have a right to leak information to journalists whenever it suits them. Mm. Just classic, classic, like, complete oversimplifying of an issue. Um, completely just removing the idea that maybe there are factors that are specific to each of these individual cases, to the agency they're taking place in, to the people involved. No, someone wakes up in the morning and goes, mm, I feel like doing a little bit of <laughs> leaking. That might be fun to me. I just feel like it. You know? I just feel like it. Yeah. Yeah, um, sometimes sometimes you're at the counter at the supermarket and you're, you're waiting for, your, for all your stuff um, to get run through uh, and you're like, hey, there's a Milky Way uh, right there in front of me. You know what? Just feel like it. It's got an impulse buyer. It's got an impulse buyer Milky Way, even though they cost more than they should. It used to cost so little. Uh, I'm going to get one. Fuck it. Same thing. Same thing. You get up in the morning and you go, you know what? Ooh, it's got an urge. I'm going to just leak something confidential. I'm just glad to find out that you are the person that the impulse buy section works on. Oh, it doesn't really. I think it does. I think you're up there. You've got your comically overfilling trolley full of a full family's groceries. And you're thinking, oh, Daddy wants a snack. Daddy wants a snacky. That's... <laughs> well, you're right. That, that is what happens. Head. Yeah. And then the 13-year-old that's operating the checkout register immediately starts slamming the button that's on the desk being like, <laughs> we've got another one. Um, no, my, my impulse buy at a Coles or a Woolworths is, um, is from the baked goods section. Uh, my impulse buy will be uh, a carton of um, the donuts, their own mm, brand of donuts. Oh, they cost the like 10 cents buy. and you get like, like 24 donuts. Yeah, mm. like a dollar for 24 donuts. It's the dream. 
Yeah. And like they're already t- stale when they're on the shelf. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're still <laughs> no, good. Not if, not if you go in there first thing so in the morning. So dry. Not if you go there. In, first thing in the morning, um, the, the little plastic container's like steaming up with the, uh, the freshness of those donuts. I want to see every donut that I eat, I want to see have traveled along that little conveyor belt. Oh, yeah. And the, don- at the Donut King? Yeah, and they get dunked into the oil and then they fall into the cinnamon basket. It's the only way I'm going to eat a donut. That Fresh a off a Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it is a magical thing to watch. Um, at, at Coles, they've started doing like... Uh, so you got your cinnamon donuts that we're all familiar with. But they've started <laughs> doing just like um, like sugared donuts, which I think is the, the more it. American style. God, I miss cinnamon the donuts. What? The what? The cinnamon is the thing that makes it good. It yeah, is. They don't have those here. It's all glazed or powdered. Oh. Yeah, so Bullshit. so it's it's like a weird half either. It's like a half assed Australian <laughs> version of of powdered donuts, Lucy. Disgusting. Where, where it's basically like um because obviously the cinnamon donut is cinnamon sugar. Um and so they have a version of it that is just that but without the cinnamon now. Hmm. Um perversion. Perversion. And uh so. before we before we move on, Andrew, I would like to say I meant to say Ted Kaczynski, mathematician, before anyone oh. writes into the show. Um, oh, yeah, no, going to get another one of those. You're definitely getting one. <laughs> Fuck. Way too big a gap. There's oh. going to be there's going to be a solid um, there's going to be a solid like 15 minute gap between those two tweets. The second one up. Oh, oh yeah, Theo's, you can. Theo's just corrected himself. You can absolutely uh, send it to me on Twitter because I'm not checking my notifications. Oh, there you go. Go for broke. What is Timothy McVeigh's? So, oh yeah, no, no, no background in maths there. Disappointing. I wonder, wonder who the smartest serial killer is. Anyway, it's the Joker, the freaking Joker. <laughs> it's the freaking Joker. <laughs> Actually, a genius. Yeah. Um, all right. So back to Peter Kretlin. Just as a side note, sorry. One more thing. Timothy Vay is not really a, a serial killer. He's more of a parallel killer. <laughs> oh God. Oh boy. Holy fuck. <laughs> um, and back to the, the 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 other stuff, the politics stuff we were talking. Oh, and about. also the Joker's the smartest uh, serial killer because he has a PhD in sociology. That's right. And that's the smartest thing you can have a PhD. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> uh, we should be calling him Doctor Joker. <sighs> anyway, it's about whether journalists have the right to leak information. Mm, do we or do we not live in 1984? <laughs> yeah. Do they have the right to impulse leak documents? Unlike most in the media, I've actually had a national security clearance as the <laughs> chief of oh, staff. That really should have been the lead of this article. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that might colour your opinion somewhat? Mm, I have um, been a part of that apparatus. Therefore, I don't think we should criticise it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially when, um, just to finish this sentence, unlike most in the media, I have actually had national security clearance as a chief of staff to a prime minister, the highest classification you can hold. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I've, I've, like you said, man, it's it's very relevant because that is essentially the only reason that anybody ever asks her what the fuck she thinks about anything. Mm-hmm. It's because that is the only the only role of note that she has ever held. And nobody ever seems to get into the fact that, like, um, that, like, even the thing that she was successful at, which was being Tony Abbott's chief of staff when he was opposition leader, and helping him get elected, even even that was only kind of successful in a very, very short term way. 
It was yeah. like extremely strategically bad to just say the only thing we'll do is not have any policies and promise to give everybody money without cutting any services or raising any taxes and then we'll get elected and then immediately just do all of those things. Um, which is why Tony Abbott and Peter Credlin along with him got dumped like less than halfway through his first term. But no, she's she's a, a guru. Let's get her her important thoughts. Peter says, These clearances are not easy to get. Your life is trawled through. Your financial records, acquaintances, every address you've ever lived, every country you've ever visited. Ooh. What kind of what kind of VR pornography you're downloading from the Steam store? <laughs> All that kind of thing. That's they're definitely they're definitely getting into grosser shit than like every country you've ever visited. Uh, then there's five security interviews to ensure you're the sort of person Australia can trust to five. receive sensitive information. Good lord. Um, yeah, are you a, a Samantha, a Carrie? A <laughs> 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 they're all, <laughs> they're all, they're all just like some type of BuzzFeed quiz. That's <laughs> which GOT character's penis are you based on your astrological sign? Yeah. Yep, that um, one. I'm Tormund's. Dark, dark room, spotlight over the top of you. Which Disney princess are you? Take the um, BuzzFeed quiz. Yes. <laughs> um, and it should be like this. After all, there are people working for us and our allies who do the dangerous work to get us the information in these documents and briefings that we need to keep Australians safe. That's why we can't turn a blind eye to Commonwealth employees leaking security information they are required to keep secret. Good government would be impossible if public servants were perfectly at liberty to leak anything that a journalist might be interested in or that they personally didn't like. Oh, this that's my favourite like reduction of what's happening here. Didn't like Oh, it. you personally think war crimes are bad, so you've mm. got to take it out on the whole government. <laughs> Yeah, you're just uh, you're just going to town on everybody. Yeah, like like these like these things like um, you know, uh, covering up war crimes are like a difference of opinion type yeah. thing. Mm. Um, so she says, good government would be impossible. Blah blah blah. They didn't like when journalists get secret government documents. It's right that the leak be investigated. And police raids might be necessary, not to crack down on the media, but to crack mm. down on people with the relevant security classification who know the rules but have broken them. There is a place for the genuine whistleblower. Oh, uh, and that should definitely be determined by someone. What's like genuine the, and what's not. Like the nurse who exposed Queensland's Dr. Death. Uh-huh. Let's, let's just let that one sink uh-huh. in. Uh-huh. Um, My dad got treated at that hospital while uh, oh he boy. was he was there, Doctor Death. Old Doctor Death, Very unfortunately I've, named. Yeah, I think that should have been a giveaway. Mm. <laughs> Wouldn't trust. When you walk that into guy. a guy's office, <laughs> when you walk into a guy's office and there's a big degree on the wall behind him that says, you know, congratulations, Doctor Death. Steve Death, PhD, mm. <laughs> USQ. <laughs> um, I also note that like one of the only the only things that she can think of that is is like a relevant, true, genuine whistleblower is something that has nothing to do with the operations of the government or the government's security apparatus mm. Mm. Um, and is not embarrassing to a federal government in any way. 
So her answer to who watches The Watchmen is a nurse. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I believe that's it. Um, she says, we already have in place laws that protect people making things public that should never stay hidden. But that's not what this is about. Huh. Kind of feel like... I feel like it... Mm, like that is what this is that about? That is what it's about. That's just my opinion. Um, Annika Smether's story published in this paper 14 months ago. I like that she keeps referring to the fact that it's a, a journalist from this paper um, and, you know, someone, someone that's published it in this paper as though it's, it's proving her impartiality. Yeah. In the story, and it's know? almost like they're they're also trying to have it both ways. They're like we bravely published this, and also she should go to jail. <laughs> well, <coughs> well, I mean, you know, obviously she's also. Uh, I th- I think the other line that she's trying to draw here repeatedly is that Annika Smithhurst's home being raided by a whole bunch of AFP who then go through everything of hers and all of her records and all that sort of stuff is somehow not affecting Annika Smethers. Like, oh, it's not about her. It's nothing to do with her. Mm. We're just trying to find out where the leak came from. It's nothing to do with, um, yeah, like making making a big show out of the fact that if you receive this information and publish it, then at some point the police are going to be kicking down your door. Like, I, I don't I don't understand how anyone can kind of draw the conclusion that like this this is not intended to make any kind of statement to members of the media about what kind of information you receive i mean if you if you looked at this whole thing unfolding and thought fuck that'd be terrifying like to to you know be in your home maybe with your kids or something and a whole bunch of police come in and start like rifling through all your shit um maybe for some of those people somebody would say hey i got a hot tip about some like secret government shit it'd be like no, I'm going to stick with Dr. Death stories, you know. Peter said that was all right. Um, so she says, uh, Annika Smithers' story published in this paper 14 months ago detailed a proposal from officials to change access to the private communications, emails, text messages, etc., of Australians. At present, they can only be accessed with a warrant from a magistrate or other judicial officer, and only if a person is suspected of a crime. The public service proposal was to reduce the threshold for the warrant from a magistrate to a government minister. Oh, huh. yeah, how about that? Uh, and it never went anywhere as the relevant ministers rejected it and the idea went into the bin. That is, until someone leaked it to Smethurst. Um, I wonder which minister was asking for this unfettered access. Wow. Hmm. One can only imagine. Uh The media has a legitimate role to, scare quotes, speak truth to power (laughs) 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 and to expose misdeeds that perpetrators in high places would prefer to stay hidden. I respect that role. Wink. But ministers and officials have got to be able to work up ideas and debate them internally without fear that these confidential discussions will be leaked. Got to have the debate about war crimes. Got to have a safe space to talk about it. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, this is kind of the thing where, like, when, um... Because there's been precedent in Australia around, like, um... Cabinet in confidence discussions for things, you know? Mm. Around that sort of never being released. And I think it was once Abbott got in that he... He released, um... 
documents like from the Rudd government around like their their oh, cabinet yeah. discussions around like probably around one of his fucking pet things that he had a big boner about like the pink bat stuff or something like that. Mm. Um, I can't remember uh, specifically what it was, but but basically just like wrecking that precedent anyway. So it's funny that it would have been under her guidance that the precedent for yeah. cabinet ministers being able to discuss something without it being shown to the media was trashed. Um, almost as if Peter Credlin herself played an enormously large part in making uh, political discourse in this country way, way, way more partisan. Mm. Boy, that is, that is very interesting. Huh. Weird. Um, she says... If government agrees to take them up, by all means, they should be subject to scrutiny, but not before. Otherwise, we'll never look at new ways to combat the threat of terrorism, oh, to, break, to break online pedophile rings, or to bust drug cartels, for instance, for fear of leaks. Right. Well, that ever-present threat of terrorism that we're constantly dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I, yeah, I, like, obviously, I completely, I completely disagree with the idea that, like, the the only thing that matters is whether or not something was actually taken up and made law or or was finally sort of attempted to be passed in government, you know? Yeah, mm. never mind trying to give the legislative arm of government judicial powers. Um does she ever does she does she forward an opinion on on what should have come out of that um rejected legislature? Well, I guess uh, what did, what did what does she have there? Uh, it never went anywhere as the minister rejected it, mm-hmm. and the idea went into the bin. So she doesn't say whether or not she thinks it was a good thing. Sure, Montesquieu, more like Montehu, she says. I assume. Oh. I don't know. Let's move on. <coughs> um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I th- I think like to me. To me, yeah, I, I think that if if a government was like actively entertaining ideas that were, you know, extraordinarily harmful to mem- potentially extraordinarily harmful to members of the public, or even or even just there are times that you know that they would have been like debating doing particular things on the basis of this is going to be a political win for us, not this thing is good for the country. Um, I mean, look at all the liberal government's things around, like, stripping citizenship from people and all these sorts of, like, just fucked national security things that 100% exist just for them to say to racist voters, um, we're putting the foot down on any type of brown person you don't like. There's just a lot of that sort of stuff where I think, like, even the fact that the conversation was entertained becomes relevant. Um, it becomes relevant to know, like, the character of the people who are claiming to represent you in government. Yeah. But, as Peter says, this is not about the journalists. It's about people who preach security classifications facing the consequences. Thanks, Peter. So, uh, reporting the stories is fine, but the mechanism that allows the stories to be reported is bad. Yes. Mm. I imagine that's <laughs> that's the case. Hmm. Um Speaking truth to power, good. Knowing truth to power, bad. I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, like like I said, I mean the the fact that the the government have the power to say, oh, we're just going to come into the ABC's offices and have 
unfettered access to absolutely Everything. all of their records, um, that is somehow just not related to the ABC. Like that has that has no impact, no no material or psychological or any kind of impact on the ABC and their ability to do particular types of work. I mean, you know, any and all of this would also be slightly more believable if like. Peter Credlin wasn't also one of these people who has constantly advanced the idea that any member of the media establishment, of which he is somehow not included, despite being a um, highly paid Sky News um, presenter and opinion piece writer in the the, the nation's most widely purchased newspaper, um, somehow she doesn't belong to that class. Uh, but yeah, she... She thinks that that this this doesn't. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, she's she's one of the people who has been advancing this view the whole time of like the Trump style. Um, oh, all the media are just elites who think they know better than you and and all need to shut the fuck up. Um, and of course, the the general like long term demonization of the ABC by public broadcaster as operating against the against the interests and the will of the Australian public and needing to have their funding cut and needing to be put under the microscope all the time. So it's very funny to see, um, yeah, members of, members of the liberals and, and the conservative establishment suddenly acting like, like, oh, of course we're all big supporters of the press freedom and the ABC and everything. It's like you spend all your fucking time talking about how the ABC is actively working against the interests of the government and Australians and needing to be punished for it. Uh, so, you know, it's all going great. It's going well. It's all going good. You love to see it. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of journalists have all been coming together and saying, this is not good. All of a sudden, we can see what the negative impacts of this endless overreach has been. Even friend of the show, Penis Wackerman. Penis, yeah. you've done it. You finally did it. You've had a principal for the, the first time in your boy. entire life. Incredible. Uh, the Australian's Pierce Ackerman says, uh, Scott Morrison should back freedom of the press. No ifs or buts, Scott Morrison. The buck stops with you. The election's over. You won. You've been congratulated. And you've had your international lap of honour, but your responses to the totally justified serial questioning you have received over the past week about attacks on press freedom have been flaccid at best. Flaccid. Little, little dick Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a word I would ever use in a serious context. Flaccid. Uh, but they really amount to nothing but despicable, weaselly sophistry. Ass covering, and it stinks! He is going in. <laughs> Jesus. Good Lord. My Sunday Telegraph colleague, Annika Smethurst, had to endure the embarrassment of a team of Australian Federal Police rummaging through her underwear drawers and inspecting her kitchen appliances in their search for material which may have identified a leaker or leakers of documents within a number of departments. I think that, that paragraph really, for me, sums up his whole uh, reason for being mad. Mm. Because... Injustices are absolutely fine and can be uh, rationalised in any way possible, except when they happen to me uh, or fellow members of my class, in which case my colleague, then it's war. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, 
yeah, uh, but it happened to my friend. Suddenly, it's bad. Makes me think of like I remember. I remember knowing people like you know people I worked with and stuff like that years ago. People who who <laughs> I remember like uh, a girl that I knew years and years ago where like she was just she was just very normal and nice and everything. And, and then like um, her boyfriend at the time like got robbed by an Aboriginal guy, and suddenly she was like, <laughs> "All Aboriginal people are terrible. Please, got to do something about this." And I was like. Huh. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, uh, hey, it's almost as though you have had a single uh, third-party experience to do with one one member of one Mm -hmm. entire group, and suddenly you have a very strong opinion about all of them. Um, I I appreciate that Pierce's first connection that he can draw here is they went through her panties. Why are you thinking (laughs) about this, dude? I'm not sure that they did. Yeah, P- oh, Pierce, they is, did. <laughs> Pierce is writing his piece. He's like, oh, just imagine how. Smelling them. Ima- <laughs> imagine, imagine how embarrassed she would have been, red faced and flustered as the police <laughs> picked up item after item of lacy, slinky underwear. <laughs> He's getting all sweaty at his, at his old school typewriter. Oof. Uh, Didn't like Wackerman. that. My goodness. Over at the ABC, the same authorities spent more than seven hours inspecting electronic files and downloading <laughs> more than <laughs> fucking Dr. Evil-ass shit. E-files. Ele- electronic mail. <laughs> 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 downloading more than 9,000 documents, which may have been covered by an extremely broad-ranging warrant, which gave them approval to, quote, add, copy, delete, or alter material in the ABC's computers. Over a year ago, Smethurst revealed Defence Secretary Greg Moriarty and Home Affairs Secretary Mike Pizzullo... Greg Moriarty. Moriarty. Nice evil name. Sounds trustworthy to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Defence Secretary Professor Moriarty and Home (laughs) Affairs Secretary Mike Pizzullo were discussing how the Australian Signals Directorate could be used domestically to fight cybercrime. I hate cybercrime. It's oh the worst kind. God. Nobody has ever been hurt by cybercrime. It is a thing that doesn't... <laughs> like, we don't even have nuclear reactors to shut down. Well, uh, sounds, if like, sounds like you haven't seen the someone, Michael Mann movie Black Hat. Oh, oh no, someone hacked into Brisbane's uh, Brisbane City Council's network and turned off the lights on the Story Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to hack into your gaming computer and turn off your CPU fan, and then you're fucking... Linked fucking uh, twin. I don't know what good graphics cards anymore are. I lost track after the 7600 GT, but whatever you got, they're going to melt together. <laughs> okay, well, f- first of all, I think I've got a 1060 GTX, and second of all, I need that for machine learning, uh-huh. so please do not melt it <laughs> through my floor. <laughs> Uh, Pierce says, technically, it meant that the government would have had the power to spy on ordinary citizens had the suggestion proceeded to legislation and been enacted. The ABC is being put through the ringer over a series of stories that carried two years ago on allegations of war crimes committed by Australian special forces in Afghanistan in 2011 and 2012. A thing that has been helpfully excluded by both of these, um, by both of these opinion pieces is that the story about allegations of war crimes by Australian Special Forces in Afghanistan, um, that a member of that unit was Andrew Hastie, who is now a sitting MP in the, the governing Liberal Party. He sure is. 
Yeah. So, yeah, the fact that a a member of the government is is the subject of this investigation of alleged war crimes never seems to kind of come up when anybody's talking about this in terms of whether or not that has potentially played a motivation in them saying this is an embarrassment to us and someone needs to needs to get the fucking hammer. Also, I'm pretty pretty sure Piers Ackerman's um opinion on that in particular would be that it's just boys being boys. That's true. Mm. That's true. If you just if lad you, stuff for guys. If mm-hmm. you go back to um one of our previous penis Wackerman episodes, hmm. um you will find that uh Pierce is just fervently defending the right of Australian soldiers to fly the Nazi flag in Afghanistan. Mm. Cause it's just a bit of bit of fun. War crimes, but just for the lads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, okay. The good news here, uh, in Andrew Hasty's defence, is that one of the so- when one of the soldiers under his command uh, was found cutting the hands off dead Taliban fighters, uh, Hasty did report it up the chain of command. So well done. He said, "Hey, Could come on. You. Hey, mate, knock it come off. On. Put down the bone saw." You said, uh, hey, buddy, hey, hands off. Anyway, a former defense lawyer, David McBride, was charged two months ago with five counts of leaking classified information which were alleged to have formed the basis of the reports and has been committed to stand trial. Acting AFP Commissioner Neil Gorn has denied the raids were politically influenced or timed around the federal election, saying the back-to-back raids were a matter of efficiently using resources. Uh Uh-huh. That may be, but the timing is certainly suspicious, as is the post-election release of other information relating to asylum seeker boats stopped or turned around at sea. Yeah, it's weird how huh. all of a sudden, like, right after the election, um, they released all this information like, oh, by the way, we're not going to have a budget surplus. Mm. Um, oh, by the way, we're not going to be able to pass all of the tax cuts that were the entire basis of our election campaign. We made it oh, all up. By the way, we've also been um, intercepting lots of boats at sea, where having stopped the boats was was another big platform of our election campaign. Um, yeah, and investigating journalists for things which were embarrassing to us weirdly only happened right after the election. But that's that's just efficient use of resources. Um, how national security, the basis upon which the legislation enabling the AFP raids to take place, has been affected by stories which appeared so long ago is difficult to fathom, and thus mm. it is difficult to avoid the conclusion that the week's heavy-handed intimidatory intrusions were attempts to bludgeon the media into submission. In a democracy, as Australia likes to proudly boast it is, transparency should be the first order of government, but we lag behind many other first world nations in this regard. Pierce, getting something right, this is fucked up. Yeah, it's it's true. Um, we absolutely don't have um, any of the kind of whistleblower um, protections that, uh, like many of the countries that we compare ourselves to, um, ours our uh, protection is extremely weak when compared to um, you know European countries and and other kind of countries in the OECD. Because we're super cops, like you said. Because we are super cops. Mm. Super cops. Super cops. Um, The US has freedom of speech in its constitution and, by extension, freedom of the press. Embedding various rights in our own constitution now would open it up to becoming a lawyer's picnic. Clearly, the time for serious protections for speech and the press to be enacted in law is long overdue. 
Mr. Morrison, it is trite to tell reporters on the other side of the world that what that you uphold what is lawful when it is apparent to all that the law urgently needs reform. You can support the law as a concept, but still be cognizant of its weaknesses and back a review. Um, yeah, and this is this is of course the other big point about this is I think that it's it's just fucking absurd when people take this line as as several public commentators have about this, which is, oh, it's nothing to do with the ABC or with Annika Smithhurst. It's nothing to do with anything else. It is simply just. The, the cops doing cop work and enforcing the laws, because we have a law that says they have to do this, so they do it. Um, which, again, just completely, completely strips away all context and all ideas of, like, is the law actually appropriate in this particular case? Like, so, something I find incredibly frustrating is every time a political argument devolves to, like, well, that is the law. That's and, the law. It's and legal. That's, yep. Well, Barefoot I mean, is legal. If the We're law upholding. wasn't right, it wouldn't be law because yes, yes, the law exactly. is the way in which we tell things are are right. So and it has always been correct historically. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, as though as though like the entire purpose of a government is to, isn't to constantly be like passing and changing legislation over time. Mm. Uh, Pierce continues grilling fucking Scotty. Uh, you said you were unable to gauge public opinion from the shores of the English Channel, and you were paying tribute to the heroes of D-Day, but you have a staff, rather too large to be effectual, it would appear, to keep <laughs> you informed. Perhaps you're hoping that this is an issue that only resonates within the bubble. For some decades, I have rallied against the secrecy that pervades our court system through its iniquitous suppression orders that magistrates and judges have used to cloak their processes across the country to the detriment of the fundamental right to an open justice system. Taking on the media may even win you some supporters, but it would be a most short-sighted tactic. Even the most virulent haters of the press might come to recognize when the media is eventually silenced. After several days of consideration, you stated, My government is absolutely committed to the freedom of the press. Now show that you are fair dinkum. End a fucking article with fair dinkum. Jesus show Christ. that you are fair dinkum. Shut the fuck up. Prove it. Prove it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Shout out to a friend of the show. You found friend of the show. You Clock found friend of the show. Right twice a day, etc. Uh, worst person you know made a good point. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Penis Wackerman. Penis, Penis Wackerman, bringing the heat to Scotty Morrison. But, uh, yeah, so it is interesting to see that even, even like, you know, Andrew Bolt and Pierce Ackerman and all these different people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's maybe put the brakes on this for a second. Um, I think there's one thing that we can all be comfortably assured of, and that, uh, that is that nothing is going to change as a result of this. No, absolutely not. And also that the only reason these people are actually taking a stand against something, against maybe the line that they would normally be taking for commercial reasons, is because it affects them personally, um, because the media really cares about shit that happens to the media. Sure do. Well, I guess the only other potential potential, good thing, I think, that that might happen as a result of this is... um, yeah, just just the potential that this will result in like news corp papers and opinion writers um, 
giving less of a free pass to the conservative government for absolutely everything. It's a nice idea. It's a nice idea. I mean, I'm sure it won't bear out over time, but again, I don't, I don't understand like how how quickly um, all of these different journals and opinion writers can just do a complete 180 on this thing and and be like, hey, we support our colleagues at the ABC and freedom of press. Again, like you said, Ben, now that it's something um, that that directly affects us collectively as a class. Mm as opposed to in our separate silos as private and public and um, as as competitors in the field of journalism mm. um, or media because of course like we said the like I, I don't understand much much like um, you know much like Andrew Bolton and people like that uh, immediately doubling down on everything in the wake of the Christchurch shooter and saying hey, we may spend absolutely all of our time like um, mainstreaming ethno-nationalist talking points, but just because this person said that he repeated all of the things that we are constantly saying in our columns before killing a bunch of brown people doesn't mean that we have any kind of responsibility for it. Um, very similar thing here where we are talking about newspapers here that, that make a huge part of their standard stock and trade to to demonize the ABC, to insist that the ABC is actively working against the interests of the government, against the interests of taxpayers, against the interests of members of the public, that uh, the ABC should be defunded, that the ABC should have, you know, um, more right-wing people installed on its board to balance its editorial direction, meaning align it with our own, um, all that kind of shit. You're right, but what about his colleagues' panties? That's true. That's true. You've got to answer you, that. She had to watch as, as they took each pair out one by one, <laughs> held Red them lace, to their face, and white d- lace. breathe, <laughs> breathe deeply, <laughs> breathe deeply. They picked them all up in both hands and threw them up in the air, watching as they cascaded down <laughs> little silky parachutes. <laughs> this is just going to be a totally separate book that Pierce puts out at this uh-huh. point. Which, um, which. Was it was it an Australian MP or was it a journalist who who wrote like the it was an Australian MP who wrote like the the weird like um sexy book who was that <laughs> I can't remember oh that wrote oh. the fucking the the crime thriller that had the really bad sex scenes in it yeah oh. that was fantastic I can't remember who it was God damn it folks if you remember who wrote the sexy crime thriller it's the only thing um, you can tweet us about from this please, episode. Um, Tweet at us at Buntavista or send an email into hey you guys at Buntavista.com. Um, and if you can correctly identify the appropriate author, we will do a reading um, from that book next week. And that's about all we've got time for this week. Um, unless, Ben, you wanted a quick two minutes on the Bigfoot files? I would love to have a quick two minute on the Bigfoot files. Uh, Go for it. As I often tell my wife, two minutes is all I need. Hey, yo. Oh, hey. Oh, hmm. sh- um. So, uh, a couple of days ago, the FBI dropped a, they're like, the FBI vault, what do they call it? They've got a, the FBI records vault, dropped a very unsuspecting tweet uh, out into the ether uh, that simply read, uh, Bigfoot, colon, uh, two words, Bigfoot, colon, uh, no, just Bigfoot, and then a link to vault.fbi.gov. Uh, slash Bigfoot 
which links to a PDF labeled Bigfoot Part 1 of 1. You open that up, and then what you get is 22 pages of what is supposedly all of the records and documentation that the FBI has made regarding to the creature known as Bigfoot. <laughs> now, when I hear FBI Records Vault uh, Bigfoot files, what I presume this is going to be is the minutes of meetings where they discuss how they put a psychic beacon up in the woods, broadcasting a hypnotic message, convincing Bigfoot to take up arms and assassinate JFK. Like any reasonable uh-huh. person, that's immediately where my mind went. Uh, but I think they're keeping that stuff classified for, for obvious reasons. This is entirely an exchange between one man and the FBI uh, about getting some Bigfoot fur tested in the 70s. I believe this happened in 76. So the end of 76, start of 77, there's a chain of email... Uh, sorry, no, not email. <laughs> letter correspondence where a guy essentially writes in and says, Hey, so I was reading this book. Uh, this book was the... Uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Washington Environment Atlas, 1975. And this atlas had a a passing reference to it at some point, saying that the FBI had done tests of Bigfoot fur and found them to match no other kinds of fur. Ooh. So this guy, who is writing on behalf of an organization... Uh, called the Bigfoot Information Center and Exhibition uh, in uh, Oregon. They have some fur they can't identify. Usually they have a pretty good time being like, oh, we know what animal it is. It's fine. But they, So he's got this fur. He writes to the FBI and he says, hey, I saw in this book that you guys test fur to see if it's Bigfoot or not. Uh, and he stresses that this is, you know, like a scientific thing. It's... It's to be taken very seriously. This this paragraph here is fucking fantastic to me. Please understand that our research here is serious. That this is a serious question that needs answering and that an examination of hair, or the opposite, by the FBI, does not in any way, as far as we are concerned, suggest that the FBI is associated with our project or confirms in any way the possibility of the existence of the creature, bracket, S, bracket, known as Bigfoot. So he's like, hey, it's not going to be weird, all right? You just test it and it doesn't, you guys, it doesn't reflect on you in any way. Just please test our Bigfoot hair. And then there's a chain of internal documents of people being like, look, I'm passing this onto your desk. As far as we know, we have never, ever tested fur to see if it's Bigfoot or not. We have no idea where it comes from. Uh, we don't have a series of extensive, exhaustive Bigfoot tests. No. And then they write back to the guy, they're like, hey, we've actually had a bunch of people write into us about this. We have never tested Bigfoot fur. But we're going to do it anyway. Uh, so they they send the fur off to the lab. Uh, it gets tested. And then they find out it's deer fur. <laughs> and then they send the guy's fur back to him because he asked that they did so. And then they're like, well, thanks for writing in. And that is the whole thing. That is the oh. FBI's Bigfoot vault uh, opened fully up. Uh, I like. I really like that the guy um, specified in the thing. Look, whatever happens, 
You're not keeping that fur. Please give me the fur back. Bigfoot or no, this is some important fur. Sir, I'm going to need you to return return my Bigfoot fur. It's deer fur. Yeah, give the Bigfoot fur back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, also, uh, um, uh, when the FBI initially wrote back to the guy that wrote in, uh, he was in Nepal. uh, Presumably, and I can only assume, hunting yetis. That's got to be the only thing he possibly could have been doing there in the 70s. That's fair. Well, there you go, folks. That uh, that's what's happening with the the FBI's Bigfoot file, and that's what's been happening with us. Uh, I this guess week. cops are useful sometimes. Hmm. This is the when one it comes time to the important things. Yeah, <laughs> this is us trying to be fair and balanced. <laughs> uh, so uh, not all bad. Uh, I guess crime pass for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have any sort of top secret clearance, or you're under any sort of NDA, or uh, you're privy to some sort of privileged information that shouldn't leave uh, your hands and end up in the public, uh, it's perfectly fine for you to do so. Um, just get it out there. Just get it out there. Just leak whatever you got. doesn't really matter what it's about. If it's about government corruption, uh, corporate greed, uh, even if it's nothing important, just leak whatever you've got. Uh, use. It would be nice if it was about the bunyip. That If you've got... Bunyip data. Especially if it's Bunyip related. That'd be great. You can use uh, Signal. If you have ASIO's Bunyip file, <laughs> oh, please. please please release it to the public. The public needs to know. Um, yeah, Dropbox it. Whatever you got to do. Hmm. Yeah, well, there you have it, folks. Uh, as always, if you would like an extra bonus episode every week, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash Punta Vista and uh, sign up. Sign up, gets you access to our Discord with all of our beautiful listeners who are always in there, having a chat, having a yarn, posting weird stuff. Um, I, I don't get into it. I'm not I'm not trying to get in there, get all filthy with those people. They have just posted um, an image. I'm just going to copy this into the into the messenger if you guys are all able to just oh check. This is, this is in the last several minutes. Um, <sighs> very important image that I need you guys to see. It's a... Uh, Oh, come Obama. on. <laughs> oh, I know it's, a painting I, of a <laughs> it's not loaded, of but I know what it is, and I don't want to look at it. Okay. It's, uh, and he's, he's in Congress, I would say, with Michelle. One kind of Congress. He sure is in a kind of Congress. Okay. So thank you. Uh, thank you for that. So that's the, the, kind of, the kind of thing that you can be treated to by, um, by becoming a patron. You get access to the Discord. All kinds of treats. All sorts of stuff. Um, and yeah, other than that. We will see you next week. Peace, Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.